John chapter 14. And let's go ahead and pray before we get into this message tonight. Father, thank you so much for being here now. Lord, we believe that you are in us, you're among us. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us, and we thank you that you, you, you don't change, or that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for being in our midst, and Lord, for showing up and manifesting yourself in the lives of each and every person, spirit, soul, and body. Lord, you're, you're interested in all three our spirits to be born again, our minds to be renewed, and our bodies to be healthy and strong and kept in check. Lord, we give you all the praise for everything that you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, John chapter 14, you know, we've been talking about the glory of God uh, for the last few months, and I wasn't quite ready to go to something else yet, all right? (laughs) And so maybe next time, but I'm not making any promises at this point. Uh, The glory of God is a good thing. And so, so John 14 is our text for this. Verse 21, Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Of course, we said to you before that when the Scripture says He will manifest, the Amplified Bible says He will reveal or manifest. It says, uh, the Lord says, I will let myself be clearly seen and make myself real to Him. Who? To the person who loves Him, which is, of course, then revealed through the obedience of keeping His commands. They get a manifestation of God. Amen. We understand this, I know this is simple, but God is everywhere at once. He's omnipresent, and He's uh, everywhere at all times, but how many know He's not manifest everywhere at all times? There are different uh, places where He is more manifest, different parts of the earth where His Spirit is in greater manifestation than other parts. Okay, there are churches where he is in greater manifestation in some churches than other churches. All right, there are people's lives individually where he is at in greater manifestation than he is in others. And I'm talking both are saved. Okay, and these things interest me. I want to know why, and I want to know what my part is in having God's presence manifest, having His glory revealed. Because if God will do anything anywhere, He'll do it in my life. He'll do it in your life. I mean, the very fact that God has ever blessed someone financially means that He'll do it for you too. The very fact that God has ever healed someone's body means that He'll do it for you too. Are you listening now? The fact that God has ever removed burdens and destroyed yokes from people's lives is indication that He'll do it for you too. The reason for that is in part because He's no respecter of persons as far as playing favorites. Jesus died for the whole world. 
okay? And so what God, how God loves one person, he loves another person. Another reason for it is that everything that God does for us in providing needs and, and, and moving in a person's life is based upon the redemptive work of Christ. In other words, it's not selective based upon God's feeling good about somebody. I mean, we, we, we all know this. We all like certain people more than other people, <laughs> right? I mean, some of it's just commonality with another person, so we're more, we gravitate more towards them. But understand that the Lord loves us all. And so what He does for us, there are... There are things that are based in his sovereign will, but that's more like his plan for a person or his call for a person's life or an assignment he gives to them. But as far as the blessing of God, as far as him loving on someone and revealing himself to them and, 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 and meeting their needs and taking care of them, those things are universal because they all go back to the foundation of the cross of Christ. And if he died for everyone and rose again conquering death on behalf of everyone, then all the provision of God becomes whosoever will. Okay? And the moving of God's Spirit is one of those things that every believer has access to. We can all have a move of God. I think one of the things that lacks in our approach to these type of issues is we're, um, when we seek the move of God's Spirit, we're trying to get God to move. As opposed to taking the approach that I know the Lord died for everyone, including me. He, pre- he gave me victory and all provision I'll ever need and heaven to look forward to. Okay, these things are all accomplished. And so... I know that God wants to move through me because there are lost people around me. I know He wants to move through me because there are hurting people around me. There are people in, you know, addictive situations. There are all kinds of problems, sick people all around. So I know God wants to use me. I mean, I don't know if you're following me here. I'm just using simple logic now. The Lord loves everybody, and He's in me. Well, what in the world does he want to do? He wants to move through me, okay? And if I sit around and take the approach, well, I'm waiting for God to move through me. Lord, just move through me. Well, that might be a good heart, but understand the will of God is already in place concerning that. His love for another person is already to full maximum. And no matter what I do, that's, going to cha- that's not going to change. So most of my time spent pr- uh, praying and talking to the Lord ought to be simply in worship and thanks. You know, I heard someone say, and I I might get the number right, but I read somewhere a while back, uh, a person was teaching. It just really jumped out at me. I say it jumped out at me even though I don't remember the number. (laughs) The the principle, the concept jumped out at me. But he said something to the effect of, if you're going to spend 10 minutes praying, you ought to spend eight of those minutes praising and worshiping God and it really just stood out to me I thought you know do I do that and I I wanted to immediately question not that that's a Bible verse or that's a law but I think principally that really makes a lot of sense when we understand all the work that has 
been finished for us, the, the completed work of the Lord, if we stop trying to get God to do something and spend most of our time thanking Him for what He has done, praising Him that we already are on His side. We have the victory. He lives in us. He's made provision for us. Come on now. We are everything in Christ that we desire. And our needs are met in Him. And so if we spend our time thanking Him and praising Him, and then at the end, well, I don't say it doesn't have to be first or second necessarily, but you spend a little bit of time because making requests is definitely a scriptural thing. We do make requests, but how long does that take? You know, I think sometimes we feel obligated when we pray to stretch it out. Because we know if, I'm, if we're really spiritual, then we need to, uh, you know, not just say it in a sentence or two. We've got to make it at least a couple paragraphs. And don't get me wrong, fellowshipping with the Lord might, might come in that form. But when we're making requests, it really is not a whole lengthy thing. Lord, I ask you for such and such, according to such and such scripture, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I mean, I might be able to squeeze nine minutes of praise out of my ten. You know what I'm talking about? And I know there's times praying in the Spirit and, and, and things that take a little bit, uh, you spend a little more, more time doing, and I do as well, but I, I just really believe we ought to be spending most of our time not making requests, but thanking Him. Praise God. Maybe you make requests and then thank Him for the next nine or ten minutes. Or maybe you thank Him for the first several minutes and you forget what your request is. Because it, it, not because it's unimportant, because in the praise and in the worship, you found out that it was taken care of. I mean, I, I think sometimes, you know, we want to have a hand to play in it. You know, I, I was saying this on Sunday morning. Who was it uh, that had the, the sinus uh, issues? I don't remember who that person was. Anyway, had a word of knowledge in the first service last Sunday, and they, I said, come forward at the end, we'll lay hands on you and get rid of that and, uh, and get that taken care of. When they came forward, uh, they, said, they said to me, it was right, right over here, they said to me, as soon as you said that, it already left. Well, I wanted to have the power go through me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. No, but uh, what, what, what happened, it, well, I mean, the Lord did still use you know, our obedience and so forth to get that healing to the person. But, uh, but he, he did it before we even got to really have a part in it. <laughs> That's all right. And sometimes when we pray, it's just we're just praising God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. You don't realize that things are already happening. I mean, uh, if God inhabits the praises of his people, what is he doing when he's inhabiting? Well, he's doing what he does. <laughs> What does he do? He's an expert at fixing impossible situations. You know, he's, a, he, he just, he's just so good at, at destroying things that hurt and things that bind and things that trouble and bringing peace and healing and victory and comfort to everyone. We're not wasting any time praising God. You're not wasting any time if you say, Lord, I love you. I worship you. I honor and bless you. And you say it for an hour. And you never ask for a thing probably way better off than if you spent an hour asking for stuff. Amen. Well, I didn't mean to say all that, but uh, anyway, I, I, what I was saying, and I didn't mean to say this either, but I'm, <laughs> when I say I didn't mean to, I didn't, 
it wasn't premeditated. But when, 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 I, when the Lord moves in some people's lives more than other, others, and some churches more than others, and so forth, that interests me because I want to know, because I know He loves us all equally. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Am I missing it anywhere? Okay. Is there something I should be doing or stepping out by in faith to do so that I can see more of God? And I know I've going through my history and through my life, there's definitely times where I recognize that I must take a step of faith. And as soon as I did, he did. What I mean by that, I took my step and then he moved. And I took a step to do something and he moved. It's like you put, and don't take this word wrong, but you put a demand on the supply of the Spirit. Okay, not why we're bossing God around, not talking about that, but you put a demand on the supply of what's already there. And the moment you put a demand on something, that's when it comes into manifestation. And if we don't ever draw upon and put a demand upon what's available to us, we don't see the fullness of it. Okay, there's no question in my mind that, that uh, you know, the average Christian is living far beneath what God's potential is. For that person is and it's not a matter of well why won't the Lord do it well this is where we need to come into greater understanding of our part to play in the move of God all right and, and what is our part to play and we, we've discussed a lot of these things already but I know that uh, that many today will relegate the move of God and it's either talking about all things past how God, and it's not wrong to talk about stuff, but, you know, always talking about what the Lord did 50 years ago or 200 years ago or, or, or something of that nature. It's always in the past, or others are always talking about how God's going to move in the future. And He did it in the past, and He's going to do it. I really like to talk about today. Sometime we've got to get into the now. And, and instead of saying, well, God's going to do it, God's going to do it. And I'm not saying that God's not going to do anything, okay? Especially, He's told some of you some things He's going to do. Not wrong to talk about that, but we've got to be living in the present as well. And not only is God going to, He's, go, he, he's going to do it right now. And sometimes, uh, you know, I, I find when I look to the Lord for uh, His Spirit to move and do something, that's when I find the direction that I need. I mean, I can be sitting around waiting, saying, I'll move as soon as the Lord moves on me to move. I'll do it as soon as He moves on me. Or I can specifically look to Him, knowing that He wants to do something all the time. Lord, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? I remember uh, talking with a friend of mine that you guys know named uh, Ruckins McKinley. And we were talking one time about um, how... uh, back when he was just starting in ministry and felt the, he felt the call of God that God wanted to use him in a prophetic ministry and uh, he, was, he was working at Sizzler and serving tables and he would find that the, you know, the Lord would give him stuff but he said a lot of times you know, he said I was just new in it I was just learning so he said I'd, I, he said, I'd go over to the table to fill someone's drink up and uh, He'd be looking to the Lord the whole time. He said, sometimes I'd, I'd be pouring a, 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 pouring a drink for somebody and say, you know, if you, if you got something wrong, you know, you got some problem with your shoulder, 
And uh, sometimes they say, well, well, yeah. So he'd be pouring a drink and praying for him, <laughs> just just doing his job. And uh, he said there were times when he asked some people something, they'd say no. He'd go, okay. <laughs> In other words, he was learning what was just his own thoughts and 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 what was the Lord leading him to uh, what the Lord was leading him to do. And I thought, well, you know, that sure is better than just sitting around and waiting. Well, I'm not going to do something until I really know that it's God. Well, you know, there's different ways to look at this. If I don't really know that it's God, I'm certainly not going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Are you listening? Not going to say, well, the Lord shows me this about you. No, if I'm not sure, you you might want to walk a little softer and say, you know, I'm just wondering, has this been been going on with you? You know, I was sitting, um, I was sitting, I was getting a haircut one time. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> and uh, and I was sitting there, sitting there waiting. And I was, I was, I just thought I was wait, sitting there, not doing anything, waiting for the person. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the Lord show me anything about about this person. And so I just started looking, looking looking lord this we could have a good time here today if you'd show me something i'm looking looking all of a sudden dropped all of a sudden something just i go well looky there (laughs) just like that i knew something about this person who was about to cut my hair and i thought okay and i started analyzing it thinking that does not seem right because it was, a, well, I'll just tell you, it was about this person smoking cigarettes. And I thought, well, why that? For one, she does not look like a smoker. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it didn't smell anything. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I questioned it for a while. <laughs> but, you know, you got to step out on stuff. You know, say, well, you're right. I was. When I finally got up the nerve to ask her, I thought, what is she going to say after I ask her? <laughs> you know what? What are we going to do from there? She goes, and anyway, it's real interesting. She, she said, first thing she said, can you tell? <laughs> I said, absolutely not. She said, well, I just did today. <laughs> and it wasn't a normal thing. But anyway, uh, I'm just saying stepping out on, on things to let God move and help people and just show, show people that he cares for them and, and loves them can make a big difference. And we got to do things today, not always put everything off for tomorrow or in the past. Look, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter three. Again, we're we're just talking about God. <laughs> just talking about his glory, his presence manifesting and 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 usually, you know, this group here on Wednesday night, we're we're here because we want to have God move in our lives. And we're 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 having him move. And I think I just think uh, the more we talk about these these areas and give attention to them, the more we're giving place to the Lord uh, to do some special things. And, and as we worship Him, you know, this isn't supposed to be a message necessarily on worshiping God, but I just really think that's a big key. 
Not, not if I worship God long enough, then he'll move. No, I worship him because he has moved, because he is in me, because he's done great things. And in that place of thanksgiving, in that place of acknowledging God and who he is and what he's done, man, he just really likes to do stuff. He really likes to reveal things and show himself strong. Praise God. Well, 2 Corinthians 3, let's, uh, where should we read? Let's try, <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff in here. Let's go to verse 1. <laughs> it says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, obviously, we want to be among those who give life as opposed to killing. Is it possible to, to quote Bible verses and bring death? It is. Yeah. Has anyone ever, no, I'm not asking here, has anyone ever used the Scripture and people were worse off for hearing it. Absolutely. When scriptures are taken out of context, when they're taken with the wrong, uh, when they're presented with the wrong intent, uh, you know, people can use the sword, as the Bible is called. Remember Hebrews 4.12? The, uh, the word of God is sharper than, two any, than any two-edged sword. Uh, a sword can be done for good or a sword can be used for harm. And sometimes people have been abused with the Bible. You know, unfortunately, some have used the pulpit as a battle station. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because, listen, I mean, it's the real world. Sometimes, uh, you know, people who preach and teach are regular folks in the sense of still living a human body, got emotions, put their pants on the same way as everybody else. And sometimes they get, not making an excuse for it, but hurt or they take on bitterness, or they take on anger and resentment. From, and again, it's not supposed to happen, and it's not right, and it shouldn't happen. But I'm just saying, those kind of things do happen. And sometimes people, they'll get up and speak the word, but it's with, they're trying to get people back. And they're trying to harm, that someone did them wrong, or, or a pastor could stand up in church and just kind of ticked off at the people. Believe it or not, there are opportunities. <laughs> in some places. <laughs> but could could use the word of God in a wrong way and try to get people and try to manipulate people to do things. Have you ever, uh, you know, hopefully it's not happened to you, but some of you, you know, probably has where someone has used, quote, divine manipulation. Basically, they wanted you to do something. They had an agenda. They had something they wanted done. And so they brought the Lord into the picture, kind of. In other words, use the Word of God in a, in a deceitful way or a manipulative way. Uh, you know, there have been people who use prophecy to get money from your pocket into theirs. 
and, uh, and all kinds of things happen in the name of the Word of God and the Spirit of God that are not right, okay? Of course, we should all watch, make sure we're never doing anything like that. And I'm not just talking about preachers here. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm doing the talking, but, um, you know, I'm not just talking how, you know, some bitter preacher did that. There have been a lot of Christians have done that. People have done business deals, and they try to use their, use their spiritual knowledge as a manipulative force to try to get others to do something for them or feel obligated to do something. Okay, you know, I've been, I've told you before, I think in different settings, how uh, I've been given a sermon before because I wouldn't give money to someone. And they wanted to make me feel guilty. Uh, and this one person I, I was thinking of, I was going to help them by giving them gas to get to where they needed to go. Uh, but they, when I, when I met them, they said, I don't need that. And uh, I said, okay, well, that's all I'm really prepared to, to do right now. That's what I believe was the, the right thing to do. And so I got a good sermon for free <laughs> on how dwelleth the love of God in you. You know, and, all, you know, brother this and brother that. And, you know, how could I, how could I do that? I didn't care. And, and uh, well, yikes, man. What, what is that? That's not ministering life to me. It, it was ministering condemnation and death. And, and if someone doesn't do, do, what, do for you what you think they ought to do, and don't get me wrong, they, maybe they're supposed to, but what do we do in, as in response to that? Do we make them feel bad about it? Do we try to beat people down because they're not living up to the standard that we expect of them? Or maybe we see clearly written in the Word. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying no matter what someone's doing, our job is not to beat them down. It's never to make people feel bad and feel condemned about their life. Uh, there, certainly we could go around the room and find, you know, find some things that's go, that are going on in some of our lives that probably shouldn't be. We going to do that? No. What good does that do? It doesn't bring life. It doesn't minister life. If, 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 you're, if you're not living right before God right now, I would suspect that you know it. Hmm? And I would suspect you're here because you kind of don't want things to be that way. And you kind of already don't really like some of the way that things are going. And you want to change it. And you want God's help. And you want answers. And so many times, I think it's... I mean, crazy. People are coming to the Lord for help, and then some, uh, someone, some Christian sees what they're doing and wants to jump all over their case about it. Man, they wanted help. They wanted an answer. They didn't want beat up. Okay? But again, uh, we need to be those who minister life and not minister death. It, it, like it says here, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What this is and what this gives us is a contrast between the Old Testament law and the New, and New Testament grace and love and power and mercy and, and forgiveness. Of course, the, the, the letter or the, the law, it, man, it was, a, it was to the letter. And, and, and the law of the Old Testament, how many know that was given for or a, a particular reason? It wasn't because it was the way that God wanted everyone to, uh, you know, to live in the sense of live by the law or rules or regulations. He didn't make Adam that way. It was only because of sin that the law was added. But understand this, the law and the letter of the law kills. It did then, still does. Say, well, why would God give that, give that if, it, if, it, if it kills? Well, that was, it was intended to do that. 
<laughs> what do you mean? Well, it was intended, of course, to bring people to a full realization that they fall short of God's glory. It was to bring sin to the forefront. And, uh, you know, many scriptures deal with the fact that the law stirred up sin. The law strengthened sin. The law uh, did, did all kinds of stuff in, in people's lives that produced transgression and wrath and brought condemnation. That was the purpose because it was setting up the human race for Jesus. It was setting up uh, the human race so Jesus could come in and people would recognize I do need saved. I do need help. I do need God to come in and do for me what I cannot do on my own. Okay. Let's go ahead and read a little bit more. See, he said, but the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones. What's the ministry of death? That's, that was the law. Uh, what was glorious. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of of Moses because of the glory of his countenance which glory was passing away how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious for if the ministry of condemnation had glory the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory and what he's saying this ministry of condemnation and this ministry of death the letter that kills it was called glorious but how much more is what we have today? You know, one of the big problems in understanding the, the Word of God and for a Christian really to walk with the Lord is not making a very clear distinction on which covenant they live in. Many times the Word of God is taught from Genesis to Revelation as all being equal in importance and value to our lives. And all being on the same plane. People say, well, it's all the Word of God. Well, for one, it's not all the Word of God. Sometimes it's the Word of man. It's the Word of whoever was speaking. And what we have is an inspired account, an accurate account of what was written. But not everything in the Bible is the Word of God. Don't pull one of these. Where you let your Bible fall open, you point to a scripture because you're trying to be led by the Spirit. <laughs> you could run into some bogus statement that really doesn't apply to you. Okay, and not, two, we're not told to do that. Uh, that's not being led by the Spirit. Amen. But when, when, when people say, well, the whole Bible, that's, it's all the Word of God. The Word of God must be rightly divided. Remember, remember what Paul told Timothy to study to show himself pro approved? A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must understand who was talking, who was being talked to. All right, and here's the big thing we're emphasizing right now: which covenant was it under? All right, even if you go back to Genesis, how many know that wasn't under the old covenant? It wasn't under the law, and so those things are taken with a certain mindset. But once you come into, uh, you know, Leviticus. Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you get into a good portion of the Old Testament, you're talking to people who were under a certain system. God uh, put this law into place, but we're not under that anymore. That's why, uh, you know, read the, read the New Testament the most, if I could encourage you. Read the Old Testament as well. But even when you get into the Psalms, there's, a, there's some great Psalms. But, you know, some of them people take and they use them word for word and they make them into you know, choruses and praise songs. And some of it's not right. 
They think, well, it's all a praise stuff, but it's praise under a different covenant. Things operated differently in that time. And you have to analyze the words in light of redemption, in light of Jesus being crucified and raised from the dead and now how we're called the righteousness of God in Christ and many times people are singing and it's all you know Lord come rescue me and Lord come help me and 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 all this stuff well he already has rescued us my praise ought to be I can use some of those songs but say thank you Lord I'm not in a position of continual surrender I'm already on the Lord's side and I'm not surrendering to the enemy (laughs) thank you (laughs) praise God you know I know know, some of these things could bug people but but better than falling asleep Uh, I'm not looking to continually be broken Hmm. now if I have a hard heart if I'm rebelling against God well my my will, I need that needs to be submitted to the Lord for sure. And many times people, if they're away from God, maybe there's some brokenness that needs to come. But what, what does the Lord do when you break before Him? Well, He binds you back up and makes you whole to present you right before Him. See, this keeps my relationship from God, with God from being whiny. Or I'm always acting like I don't have and I, you know, I'm just poor old me and Lord come rescue me if I can just get God it's just all cry out and just help and where I don't really think God's glorified in that I'm not saying that people who do that don't have a heart for God many times they're they want God but they don't realize what he's already done therefore they're limiting what can happen see God moves on people who walk in faith and that begins with knowing his will his will is that we stand up strong man if you're hurting he wants to bind you up and make you whole and make you strong amen not talking about any kind of rebellious attitude we are to continually live humbly before our God but that humility causes us to be strong he wants your you to have a smile on your face hmm? wants you to have a little skip in your step I mean, what better, what better advertising to the world is when a Christian is doing good as opposed to always acting like we don't have. And I'm just, oh, just trying to get God to do something for me. Stand up and say, Lord, I believe that you have done great things for me. You, you know, you can acknowledge, you know, I don't feel it all right now. I don't feel like I'm on top of the world, but I believe God. I believe your word, Lord. I believe that you have provided everything for me, that you've ministered to me. You've made me whole. You've made me strong, and I just thank you for this. And then our praise, our communication with God is one of victory. It's one of celebration. It's one of joy and gladness. Those are the hallmarks of the Christian life. We ought to be full of gladness and full of joy at all times. Yay! Because we're not moved by what we see and feel, but we're moved by what the Lord has already done. So any time of the day, any any time of the year, no matter what the economic situation, no matter what your body feels like, hmm, and we've all had pains, That's where it takes a strong person to rise up in faith and say, thank you, Lord, you are good to me. 
Oh, you've given me victory. Thank God he's given me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He always causes us to triumph. Praise God. Those are the words that ought to come out of our mouths. Are we denying that we live in a sin-filled world? Are we denying problems? No, we're declaring answers. We're declaring victory. We're refusing to be whiny. Amen. What verse were we in? Verse 10. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. Now, notice that phrase, no glory. He, verse 11, for if what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded until the day until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, of course, many of you know the, the story of what's happening here. Moses, this is talking about Moses when he get, went to get the Ten Commandments. He went up on the mountain in the very presence and glory of God, uh, for 40 days. Didn't eat or drink. Uh, he was in the glory of God. I still don't know what was happening all that time for 40 days, but I think it must have been pretty awesome. And when he came down, he was he lit up like a light bulb. And he didn't know it. He came down and he was literally physically glowing. That just shows us what's possible in the physical realm when someone experiences God's presence to that degree. He came down physically glowing, and he gave them what the Lord had, and he had to put a veil over his face because they couldn't look at it, and they were afraid, and they were like, you know, at one point they said, don't let, you know, God started speaking, they, uh, they said, Moses, you tell us what the Lord is saying, don't let God speak to us. <laughs> you know, it was just was kind of uncomfortable for him, and he put this veil on, and this is what it's talking about about the glory of God, it's, it's talking about how this veil was over his face, and it was, I would like to see that. But back to verse 10, he said, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect. Compared to what we have today, that was called nothing, no glory. And we think, wow, but that was pretty nice. But in comparison now, nothing. But his face was glowing. But he had to put a veil on his face. But in comparison to what we have today in the new covenant, that was nothing. And I believe that an acknowledgement of what the Lord has done glorifies him instead of us trying to get God to do something for us acknowledge that what we have is way bigger and way greater and way more glorious than what they saw with their physical eyes and when we begin to acknowledge these things of what the Lord has done for us that's when these things will manifest more and more how do you get things to happen you talk about them 
you glorify God and acknowledge the very existence of everything He's accomplished. Praise God. It said in verse 17, Now the, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Again, we're seeing a lot of contrast here between the old covenant law, the letter that kills, the ministry of death, condemnation. He said, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom. That's the place we live. It would be right and correct, no matter how you feel, no no matter how things look, to lift your hands to the Lord and say, thank you that I'm free. I am free. Your spirit is in me. I live in, a, in the time where uh, the spirit gives life. And I am free. Say, but I'm bound up. But I'm telling you that we are free. And our acknowledgement of that freedom will cause it to manifest. Not, oh, I'm just so hurt and tormented and tired and weak and broke and depressed and ah that's not what we're supposed to acknowledge again i'm not talking about denying facts i'm talking about acknowledging what the lord has done look what he goes on to say now this is powerful i could do the whole message on this next verse but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Notice what causes transformation. Okay, now many of you know that transformation word, metamorpho. We get metamorphosis from that. We think of slimy little caterpillar turning into beautiful beautiful butterfly it's also told that that happens through the renewing of the mind in Romans 12 that transformation this transformation happens to us by looking in the mirror and seeing what do we see now not my old self all my faults and all my uh, mistakes and all the things that are wrong with me I'm supposed to look in the mirror and see the glory of God in me say but I don't have the glory you do if you've been saved if you've received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life the glory has moved in the Lord himself has made residence and made his abode in you and so when you look at yourself we're supposed to see the glory of God but we've been man I think we're still sometimes hiding behind a veil that's not supposed to be there And what we're looking at is everything wrong. We look at ourselves and we look at our lives and we think about the way that we are. And we see all that's wrong, all that comes short, all that is very much lacking of God's best and His highest. And that's not what we're supposed to look at. And if we continually look at what's wrong about ourselves, we don't get metamorphosis. What do we get? Well, what we continually look at, that's what we become. That strengthens its grip in our lives. 
Oftentimes, a person who's bound up to habits or even bound up with a disease or something, they continually see themselves that way. They think about themselves as being in bondage to some area, and it only serves to strengthen the grip of that issue in their life. What must I do? See the glory. That means I must acknowledge the Lord's work that is finished and accomplished in my life. And when I see myself, I don't see myself in light of me and everything I know about me that's not perfect. I see myself in light of Him and in, 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 in light of the finished work of the cross and see myself as whole, strong in the Lord. Amen. Full of joy. Healed by his stripes. Amen. Made rich. Yeah. These are the things I need to see about myself. What happens then? I'm transformed. And I go from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, I'm given the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of liberty, the Spirit of freedom, an avenue to work in my life. The more I look at what's wrong, the more the Spirit doesn't have a place to move. But the more I look at what's right through him and through his work and what he's created to me to be, he's got something to work with. Oh, he's got something to ride upon and do some metamorphosis. I'm tired of looking like a caterpillar. Come on now. I don't want to look like that because that's not who I am. In Christ, we... <laughs> Butterfly is what I'm trying to be here. <laughs> Not the eagle. <laughs> but that's who we are. But how do I become that? How, how do I become what I am? By looking at what I am in Him. From glory to glory. That tells me this is a process. The new birth is instant. I get the glory of God on the inside of me in my spirit. I mean, you know, that's the focus of the New Testament. It focuses on who we are in the spirit. Redeemed made righteous made right and holy before God the Old Testament dealt more with the flesh everything that's wrong with you everything you can't do I mean the law was a system man you had to obey all of it all the time or you were under a curse but thank God it's not that way anymore we've been redeemed redeemed from the curse and now we are free and the Lord wants us to rise up in the victory that he has provided and we've got to keep focusing. Say, what is this mirror thing? How do I look at that? I believe a good way to do it is like this. Here's your mirror. It's looking at the word and everything the Lord said about you and about me. Okay? Everything he said about us in Christ and what he's accomplished in us, that's my mirror. And I continually see the glory of God in me and believe that when I was saved that it worked and believe that when Jesus came in sin went out darkness went out weakness and inability left me struggling left me just fighting to make it to hang on to my sanity left me and the glory of God and the mind of Christ and the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead moved in and now when I see myself, there's something good to look at. And the more I look at it, the more I look at it, the more I'm transformed into that same image from glory to glory. Praise God. 
in the Old Testament, remember the snakes moved in one day. They were in the wilderness on their way to Canaan's land. And, and, uh, and they were, Israel was rebellious. They were complaining and all kinds of things. And before you knew it, the snakes from the desert started coming in and biting people. People were dropping like flies, just right and left, until Moses prayed. And the Lord said, take a serpent, put it on a pole, stick it up in the air. And he said, whoever looks at it, they'll be healed. Whoever looks at it. Amplified said they had to have a fix their gaze on it. They had to look at that. We know what that was. That was a type and shadow of Jesus on the cross. He was made a curse for us so we could be free. He said, whoever looks at it, they had to get up there and stare at that thing. They'll stare at, they'll stare at that. They'll look at it. They'll be healed. I tell you what, what we're looking at today makes all the difference in the world in who we actually are in the, on the outside and how we live our lives. What are we looking at? And I've got to be looking at the glory of God. The glory of God that's in me. When God came and set up shop, in you I think there's so much more that happened in us when we received Jesus you know most of us thought well I'm going to heaven now my sins are forgiven well it's bigger than that it's bigger than that it became the foundation of the very source for your life to explode into something good to explode into something that others would only others on the outside would only want to be a part of and I think it's my duty it's my duty to be happy I've got a responsibility to be healthy and prosper and blessed. And, 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 and uh, why? Because I'm a living witness. I'm a testimony of the Lord everywhere I go. Amen. So I've got an obligation. I said, so, but that's not really up to me. It's up to me what I look at. And if I look at the right thing long enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become that thing. Praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for what you've enabled us to be. And Lord, we really want to be what we, are, what we are. What we are in you. We really want this glory to reflect from us. We really want Jesus to be seen by those around us. But we know and we acknowledge tonight... That before that can happen, we must see the Lord Jesus in us. And we must see your glory in us. That far exceeds the glory of the, of the old covenant. And the glory even that Moses experienced. Lord, we've been born of you. We've been given new life. We've been given a place of acceptance and forgiveness. It's a place where we stand tall, a place where we live in power and walk in victory. And there is nothing too difficult for us. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for giving us life and everything we need. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Let's all stand up together. Praise God. Amen. Oh, the Lord is good. Just for a moment here tonight, or we'll see, just for a moment, let's just lift our hands and thank Him.